Welcome in. It's the Mostly Magic Podcast. Tuesday, January 31st. Jake Chapman here with you. The Magic in Philly coming off a 10-point win over the Sixers last night. A good one. Mo Wagner, 22 points. And Paolo Bancaro brings it home with 29 points. And the Magic pick up a dub, snap a seven-game win streak from the Philadelphia 76ers. First win in 10 tries against Philly. And the first win in Philly against the Sixers since 2016. So a nice win last night. And the Magic staying in Philadelphia. They'll take on the Sixers again tomorrow. Then we'll see Minnesota on Friday. And then it'll be Charlotte on Sunday afternoon. Going to switch things up today. I interviewed Lindsey Winnegar, the the Magic's high-performance director, for our uh, Advent Health High Performance podcast. And I'm going to repurpose it because I think a lot of what she said will be interesting to uh, mostly Magic fans. And obviously a lot of talk about returning to competition, uh, rehab with Jonathan Isaac, Bull Bull is a reclamation project I want to get into. And then, of course, the new $70 million Advent Health training facility uh, in the Paramore District that opened up this fall and is absolutely gorgeous. All of the different resources available to Lindsay and her team in that building. Uh, And as the staff expands, and it has, it's turned into uh, quite the high-performance staff at Lindsay's disposal. So I want to chat with her about that. Without further ado, the Magic's high-performance director, Lindsay Winnegar, on this week's Mostly Magic podcast. My guest, the Orlando Magic's director of high-performance, which means she's in Philadelphia right now after a big Magic win last night over the Philadelphia 76ers. She's also one of the original guests on the first iteration of this podcast, and that was a product of quarantine living. I want to talk about that a little bit. But Lindsay Winnegar is the first return guest to the Advent Health High Performance Podcast, which means she's a friend of the show, and I appreciate her taking the time. Lindsay, how you doing? Hey, Jake. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate you carving out a little bit of time. Busy time of year, of course. And you and I have something in common. I was thinking about this. We both joined, uh, both joined the Magic in 2019. And I was rejoining the team after five seasons away. You were brought on as a physical therapist at that point after years of extraordinary work with Lindsey Vaughn. And then, boom, five months later, the pandemic changed everything in all of our worlds, of course. And then you become the high performance director by the end of 2020. I'm sure you haven't stopped much to think about it because I know you don't have a ton of time, but that's a lot to happen over like a four year span. And I can kind of relate over the summer. I was named the radio play by play host. And then I found out like two months after that that I am expecting a baby girl with my girlfriend coming in May. Um, But like with hindsight, like do you ever look back and think just how much has changed in your world, uh, both professionally and I guess personally over the course of the last couple of years? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, You know, I, like you mentioned, I joined the magic as a physical therapist and then I was promoted to the director of rehab. And around that time, um, you know, the pandemic kind of hit and we were, entering the NBA bubble. Uh, That was a crazy experience. And then as I came out of the bubble, I was promoted to the director of high performance role to kind of oversee our group. And yeah, it's been go, go, go ever since. Um, Because obviously as we restarted our seasons, normally the following season, we had so many rules and regulations and, and things we had to do to keep everybody safe while we traveled and, you know, stepping into a new role while while tackling that at the same time. And we also had some new staff. Yeah, no, I feel like I've been go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> every I, I did want to ask you, because I remember when we were doing those podcasts, everything was obviously so new. And I remember asking you and a lot of the people on the on the performance team, you know, how much of this stuff is going to stick? How much do, of this stuff do you think will be permanent changes? Um, and obviously, like, you know, COVID didn't go anywhere. You still have to take, I, I guess, more precautions than we would have before. 
but but did it did it permanently alter the way you go about your business um with, with the benefit of hindsight i think that we maybe looked into more technology to support the players when they're away from the building right um apps that have you know their strength and conditioning programs on them their testing data on them things like that but for the most part um we're lucky in that we have such a small roster of athletes compared to our staff size that, mm. you know, we, we are able to kind of stay on top of them quite a bit. So um, not, not terribly too many changes. Yeah. You can't really, it's not like doing radio. I can do my job remotely being a physical therapist, not a performance director, kind of need that, uh, that, that physical contact, I guess. Um, I want to ask you about the training facility and what it's like having all those resources at your fingertips and the, and the staff has expanded over the last few years as well. But I also want to ask about the process of returning players to play and, and what goes into clearing guys like Jonathan Isaac, how you gauge those types of relative strength. Um, and I'm sure that all plays into the new facility as well and, and, and what all you have um, at your disposal. The, you know, guys like J.I. get all the attention because of the magnitude of the recovery, but there are plenty of other success stories like Markel or Bull Bull to point to. Um, the maintenance that goes into keeping veterans like Terrence or Gary on the floor is another example. I guess, if, can you just take us into your day-to-day and kind of what all goes into um, rehabbing somebody and, and, and also the maintenance um, that keeps these guys available? Sure. I mean, to kind of start off with where you- what you first mentioned, you know, the Advent Health training facility that we moved into this fall has been has been a game changer. Um, it's an amazing facility to to work in every single day. The players love spending time there. Um, it's something that I do feel like has given us an edge and the ability to help with a lot of processes um, that just aid in player recovery, uh, player rehab, um, and just the flow of our day to day. I think it's something that. Um, especially with our rehab processes, it allows us to leave players back from road trips because we actually have far more resources at home than on the road. Mm. And so that in collaboration with some of the coaches at state black or our player development interns, it's really helped out with, with us giving the guys who have injuries to kind of overcome um, a much better uh, setup to do that in. Is that, so that's kind of like an added bonus. So if you're talking about a rehabbing player traveling, you're also talking you're talking about obviously being away from home and and all of the um, uncontrollables uh, that are, hotel and all of that. But then also flying, right? The altitude. I mean, all of those things can can hinder uh, rehab, right? Yeah, I mean, all of the flights that we go on. If you have any sort of joint or ligament that's healing, you'll, you'll get some associated swelling with that. And so for, if you're looking at, we're on a flight every other day, that stuff definitely stacks up the late nights. Um, so they're not getting as much sleep as they normally would when they're at home trying to recover and, you know, tackle the next workout or the next rehab session, um, you know, on the highest level, I feel like uh, us being able to leave them at home with just all the resources that we have now in that facility is, has been huge. With J.I., you know, he's he's back playing, but obviously he, it, 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 it's a buildup. The minutes are still watched. How do you how do you, I mean, it was such a long road back and there were, um, you know, there's a hamstring injury to throw into the mix as he's rehabbing the knee. How do you approximate? And he even said, you know, like we can like I, I can go out there and I can play with coaches and but you can't you really can't approximate the 
pork, I guess. I don't, I'm not sure what the scientific word, um, but the stress that you put on uh, anything uh, except for playing. How do you try to do that? What kind of science goes into um, clearing a guy like J.I. after a long road back? So we're really lucky and fortunate um, that the Magic organization has provided us a lot of resources um, with sports technology to try to understand objectively, you know, data on each player on really where they need um, to get to before they can be cleared to play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but every arena has second spectrum optical tracking data on players during the game that tracks hundreds of metrics, everything from accelerations to decelerations to jumps to um, what speeds they hit during games when they run. And when we have access to all of that stuff, plus we also have a GPS system around our practice courts, you know, we can mimic and match up some of those game-like demands, um, you know, as close as we possibly can. Nothing really mimics the game itself, but it's something where, you know, we can look at what an, a normal NBA week looks like from a workload standpoint and ensure that they're able to meet those demands, not just for one week, but for a few weeks for sure before they come back from injuries. And so that was a big piece of, you know, Jonathan Isaac's rehab is making sure that, you know, as we built him up and his conditioning levels got um, to a higher and higher point that we are getting him back to to levels of um, of work on the week where we knew that the you know his knee joint and his muscles and ligaments tendons everything were going to be able to withstand um, some of those forces. Is that I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's such a hot topic right now. Load management, quote unquote, um, and and I think almost that has a a negative connotation anymore, which probably isn't fair. I don't think people understand the amount of work and data that goes into determining everything that you just talked about. Um, it's it, it, it's probably almost pretty simple to say this guy needs a night off, except it seems so controversial now. How do you I, 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 I don't want to have you speak for your colleagues, um, but but I don't. And I'm not sure if you view these conversations at all on social media or on television um, or on sports radio, but how how would you respond to that? Like the idea that it's just kind of a willy nilly, like, no, this guy needs a day off. No, there's a whole lot that goes into that decision. Um, I think it's probably different for every team. Um, we're a really young team. And so, you know, we're trying to get our guys out on the court as much as possible to develop in a lot of different ways. And so our group might be a little bit different compared to other teams that have, might have more veterans on it, Right. but no, it's, it's definitely a hot topic right now looking at, you know, back-to-backs travel, uh, the number of games played on a season. And I'm sure all of those things will kind of flush out over the next year or so of just where things are headed in the league. But the game has definitely become more explosive, more fast paced. Um, and that kind of wears bodies down a little bit more. Um, I feel like uh, there's been a little bit more discussion on players specializing in basketball at a young age, not playing mm. any sports. And so the wear and tear is at a little bit of a higher level once they get to the NBA. And so, yeah, I think um, in terms of load management, every team has kind of a different strategy with that. And it depends on where their roster is and, coaching philosophies and just kind of where that at organization sits with things. I mean, some of the teams that you may see that are consistently in the playoffs or, you know, making a, uh, NBA championship push, you know, they're trying to 
extend their season far longer than some of the other teams. And so they do have to kind of think long-term planning over the course of the season um, where other teams, you know, might just be lucky to make the play in and that strategy looks different then. And the kind of the very nature, I guess, of preventative maintenance is that there's never going to be an aha moment when you're preserving somebody, right? When you're saving somebody from injury, that's sort of the idea is that they're going to keep playing. And so you can't ever say, look, it worked. Um, unless, you know, at the end of somebody's career, they played 79 games um, a, a season. So that's kind of an interesting, that kind of, I wanted to ask you about that. You mentioned players and in, in, um, youth athletes playing different sports. I would imagine you're a proponent um, of that. It, 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 it's something that I think is kind of unavoidable, but most people, I think most people would say you're you're much better off from a younger age of playing as many different sports as you possibly can. Yeah, that's what the the research is is currently um, showing that you just develop different skill patterns, different movement patterns. Um, your body learns to move in a lot of different ways that ends up aiding in injury prevention strategies later on. And so, yeah, it's it's been shown that you know sports specialization can definitely even just have certain wear patterns on joints and cartilage and things like that over the course of development. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a proponent of, of being in a couple different sports as you're growing up, if it's possible. Tell me a little bit more about the training facility. It's 130,000 square foot um, center, the, the entire training center. It's a 33,000 square foot athletic hub, altitude chamber, hydrotherapy, $70 million poured into it. Um, it's pretty impressive and I'm sure it's a nice place to show up and go to work. But then even beyond that, Lindsay, I mean, over the course of the last couple of years, the resources have been there, the expansion of staff, um, it, it's got to make your job a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. I mean, planning for the new training facility over the last three seasons has been a really fun project. And honestly, we, we kind of ended up with all the bells and whistles and toys that we were looking to put in there. So, um, you know, Thanks to Advent Health and the partnership there and DeVos family and, and everyone who's kind of pitched in on this facility. It's truly amazing. It's one of those things where, you know, from hot and cold tubs to being in the outdoor lap pool um, to to having a training room with enough tables that kind of flow right into the weight room uh, for their activation sessions in the morning. You know, the locker room setups, just we've improved our nutrition program and our entire culinary offerings. It's, it's, I don't know, I could go on and on. There's so many things that we've got in there um, that have been upgraded or are actually new services for the pick um, that we're in a, we're in a great spot. Like I said, I mean, athletes enjoy spending time in the building. They're definitely staying in the building longer to take advantage of those things. And it's so far, even though we've just been in there for a few short months, um, you can definitely see the change of just positive things in our daily workflows. And I know it's not necessarily your purview, but that can be used as a real tool when you're when you're out recruiting free agents and um, and, and and even, you know, basketball operations staff. Right. Yeah, I think that they're hoping into the future here that um, players start hearing about you know the things that we have to offer and they get excited about those things, too, because that's just kind of one more thing um, that aids in a in a positive environment for those guys to come into. So yes, I do think that it'll be something that's of of use when those discussions come up. 
Last thing, Lindsay, how, you know, Bull Bull was, you know, failing physicals and nobody really knew what to expect from him. And you guys poured into him and we've seen immediate results. It's been a very long road for Jonathan Isaac. It's been a long road for Markel Fultz. For you, how personally gratifying? And I know you it's obviously your business, but it's just got to feel good personally to see those guys out there doing what they love. Yeah, it's I mean, that's one of the things that we love doing about um you know, the job that we are tasked for the magic to do, you know, we have a high performance staff of 10 and within that group, we have five medical staff members and they kind of tackle those rehab cases from start to finish. Uh, you know, we've got two strength and conditioning coaches, a sports scientist, a nutritionist, and we truly utilize all of those service lines and build programs around each individual athlete when they have an injury or something they're coming back from. And so it truly is a group effort, not just from our group, but even with the coaching staff on how we put those players back on the court. And so when you look at the number of planning meetings to the number of hours that the player spends in the, in the weight room and on the court and on the treatment table, um, it's, it's truly remarkable about how many people are touching each rehab case to make it possible for them to return. And I really feel like we've got some great processes in place here on how we kind of connect the coaching staff and the performance staff on returning these guys. Um, and they're, they're definitely bought into the athletes are definitely bought into the process on, you know, how we approach things from a mental and physical standpoint, knowing when to push, knowing when to pull back and knowing how to support them individually for who they are as an athlete and how they like to work. Um, so we can get them back as safe and as fast as possible. And so it truly is a, a group effort, um, from the coaching and performance staff on how we do that. But um, obviously we've definitely had some, some bigger cases, some more long-term cases in terms of some of our ACL cases over the last couple of years. And those are, those are cases that take a year. And so if you look at the number of people and the number of hours that go into helping that athlete return, it's a, it's a huge process. And that mm. process, you look at kind of when you think you can get them back and you work backwards and you look at, okay, how long should this strengthening phase take or this power development phase take? Hey, we need to get them sprinting. How is this looking? How long is this going to take us to get them up to speed and then create enough workloads on their bone and ligaments and, and muscles to to really condition them in a way that they're going to be ready to play and be a basketball. I think um, what's interesting about rehab cases is people, they're like, oh, well, they're back to running already. It's There's so much that goes into returning one of these guys to competing with the top 1% of athletes in the world. Mm. I mean, the NBA has, you know, phenomenal athletes that play night in and night out. And it's it's a lot when you're injured and you're out for a long period of time to come back and insert yourself in that environment because it's fast and and guys are, are rough out there. And it's something where, again, we can create a lot of drills um, on the court and even practice with our guys. But when it comes to competition um, against another team, you know, playing in an NBA game, sometimes that stuff's hard to mimic. But I feel like we've had some challenging cases over the last couple of years and I'm proud of how everybody's worked together to get them back. And yes, it's it's super fun to watch them out there and especially to see the the smile on their faces too. Um, just knowing that they they are back, they feel good, and they're also confident, you know, when they're out there. Um, I think that's one of the things that I've been happy about is we don't have guys returning where they're they're scared to be out there. Mm. Uh, they really are in a really good headspace when they return as well. There was one other thing, and so this will be the last, last thing, because um, I had a note that I wanted to ask you about. It really is, it's, you know, the 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 mental aspect of all of this, I think, 
I think it gets lost because a knee is a knee. Well, no, not necessarily. The rehab process is different. The setbacks are obviously different. Everybody is 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 running their own race, so to speak. So I, I would think you really have to specialize when to push, when to pull, like you said, um, based on the personality. And that's that's got to be a massive undertaking um, on its own. I mean, the sports science there and and, and the, the mental aspect, I would think, is huge. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we have um, a sports psychologist and a mental skills coach on staff mm. as well that help with those things. And then I think, you know, especially when they're out for a long period of time, you're spending so many hours a day with this athlete, like even without having a, a dialogue with words, you know, you can tell by their body language or if they're having a rough day, if they're tired, if they maybe just need two days off instead of one to just kind of regroup themselves um, so that when you come back in the following Monday, you're just in a better spot. I mean, there's a lot that goes into the planning of that when you have several months worth of rehab on the horizon. And I think that, again, with a smaller roster of athletes compared to the staff numbers, you really are able to get to know them on a more personal level and and understand kind of what their needs are on a higher level, too. That's fascinating. I really appreciate you sharing, Lindsay. She's the Magic's Director of High Performance. Uh, Lindsay, thanks so much. Continued success. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks, Jake. I appreciate it. And thanks so much to Lindsay for joining me. This has been another edition of the Mostly Magic Podcast. Jake Chapman here with you. We're back next week. Have a great week, everybody, and go Magic.